appreciate the fact that you're here today. Um, we've got a gift for you if you would like to pick it up at the front desk through the barn doors on the left as you go out of here today. We'd love for you to just uh, to, to, to get that gift. Um, today we are is our celebration Sunday. Every quarter we offer baptism. Um, a little later in the service, I'll just give a brief explanation of why and, and how we baptize. Um, but before we do that, what I want to do is I, I want us just to take a look at God's Word together. So let's pray before we come to do that. Father, we quiet our hearts before you, and we ask you, Lord, will you speak into our lives today? Thank you for the reminders as we've sung your praise of who you are and of what you've done for us. And God, just for the opportunity to get away from everything else and to be reminded that you are God above everything. You have been good to us. You have been faithful to us. And you will be that again and again and again. So Lord, we just thank you. Lord, for your grace and goodness and we say, Lord, would you speak to us again today, we pray. Amen. Amen. We, we, um, we're going to be starting, a, or I'm going to be introducing a new teaching series today that is going to take us right through the month of July. And uh, the series is entitled Countercultural Christ. Countercultural Christ. As many of you are aware, but in October of this year, as a church, we will be celebrating our 25th anniversary, yeah. which is a, it's a wonderful milestone, but it's a scary one, because it almost sounds like we're established. <laughs> and I never want us to be established. I want us to keep pushing forward constantly. See, when we started 25 years ago and we launched our church, some of the things we were doing were very radical. Some of you don't realize that. I did not know a single church in this area that had a cafe on a Sunday morning. There wasn't anybody who did that kind of thing. And one of the things I love about our church, and I mentioned this to Steve before service today, is when I stand out there before service and folks are out in the cafe and because of the way this building is, the sound all echoes and it like sounds like crazy out there and it's the sound of people enjoying being together. And, and I love that. Because I've been in churches in my lifetime where you walk in the door and immediately shut your mouth, you come and sit down, you do the necessary, you get up and walk out the door again, yeah. right? And, and that's not church. That's not the way God intended it. Church is a personal thing. It's interactive. It's about people. It's about being part of a community. And I love that aspect of our Sunday mornings. And there are so many other things. I, I didn't know a pastor in this area who appeared on a Sunday without a smart looking suit and a shirt and tie. Now, if you're visiting and wondering, I have smart looking suits. They may be a little tight right now, but I have 
I have smart, right? But part of our approach 25 years ago was let's just tone it down and just keep it real. Let's just be normal people coming to worship Jesus together and encourage one another on the journey. Now, I want to tell you this. If you are going to be a little bit kind of um, out there doing different things with a church, not everybody's going to appreciate it. And over the years, I've experienced a lot of criticism and opposition, and I don't necessarily always mean from outside. And, and there's been a lot of that. And I remember one day, my long-suffering, lovely wife, Jill, said to me, she said, just for once, could you do something normal? <laughs> and then she said, what do you think Jesus would say? And my reply was, I think Jesus would say, nice try, Rog, <laughs> but I was way more radical than you are. Because Jesus really was radical. He, he, he really was. Jesus actually upset people from get-go. He started off by insulting all the religious leaders, not the way we would recommend to start ministry. He insulted all the religious leaders. He called them hypocrites. He, he told them that they were like whitewashed tombs that looked pretty on the outside but were full of dead bones inside. That's not polite. <laughs> and, then, and then he had the audacity, starting his ministry in Mark chapter 3, it talks about him being in the synagogue and it was the Sabbath day and he healed somebody and, and, and all the religious leaders were absolutely out of their minds because he did something on the Sabbath day that, that he shouldn't have done because they had strict Sabbath rules. And, and in fact, what it, what it says there was they went out from the synagogue that day and they started to plot how they could kill him. That's how much he ticked them off right at the beginning. And all he'd done was heal somebody who was sick. And then, of course, there was the criticism of Jesus that you'll have heard perhaps quoted many times in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, where people criticized him and said, look at him. He says he's the Savior. He hangs out with sinners. To which Jesus replied, I thought it was sick people who need a doctor, Amen. not those that are well. Amen. Right? But they, they, Jesus just did things that were different. I, and and I, I, lo I love the fact that um, there's a story in Luke 7 where he was at the home of, of one of the religious leaders who had invited some guests to meet Jesus. And while he was there in the house, a woman came in and she brought some very um, expensive ointment. And as kind of custom was and the way things were in that day anyway, it sounds weird nowadays, but she bought it and she, and, 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 and she um, broke the jar of ointment over Jesus. And, and she washed his feet. And you know what they said? They said, because apparently the woman had some history. Who doesn't? But apparently the woman had some history. And here's what they said. The, 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 the Pharisee who had invited Jesus to his house said, if he was the Savior, 
he would know what kind of woman this is. I got news for you. Jesus knew what kind of woman she was and he welcomed her there. Jesus was absolutely radical. He was not politically correct. He really was, and he still is, the counter-cultural Christ. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to remind ourselves of some of the things that Jesus said. And for all of you that are his followers here today, I want to encourage you this morning, and, and a celebration Sunday when we're doing baptisms is a really good day to do this. I want to remind you, dare to be different. Don't opt for easy. And check your bearings to make sure you're not getting slowly sucked into conforming to the godless culture that is our country today. Dare to be different. Dare to be different. It might be difficult. It might make you stand out. It might mean that others misunderstand you, but dare to be different. Uh, a number of years ago, my friend Basil D'Souza, who many of you met, who pastors in Mumbai, India, Basil got in touch with me and he said to me, Roger, I've been asked to go to the state of Orissa and do some training for pastors there. Would you come with me? And um, I generally don't need to be asked twice if there's an opportunity that I can go talk to pastors in particular. And uh, I had one question for him. I asked him, is it safe? Now that wasn't a whether I'll go or not question, it was just curiosity, because in the state of Orissa, just some months before that, there had been anti-Christian riots right through the country. And Christians had been killed, churches had been burned down, Christians' homes had been destroyed, they'd had to flee from their, for their life. And so I said to Basil, I'm just curious, is it safe? And he said, yeah, it's pretty quiet at the moment. <laughs> so that was all I needed. So. Uh, a few months later, I, I went to India. I met up with Basil in Mumbai. We flew across the country to the state of Orissa, and uh, we, we, we landed in the airport in the uh, capital city of Bhubaneswar, and we were met by the pastor organizing the conference, DK. And DK met us there, and we, we traveled about three hours in a very uncomfortable Jeep until we got to the town he lived in, and it was dark then. The next morning, um, we were getting ready to go to the conference, and he'd secured the use of a former Bible college, and uh, everybody was there. And as we were leaving his house, he said, now, Roger, for your safety, <laughs> lay down in the back seat till we, <laughs> till we get there. Because things are good just now, but you never know. If they get to learn there's an American here and he's a Christian teaching pastors, it could complicate life. So I lay down on the back seat as instructed, as far down as I could get, trust me. And, and we went, spent a whole day teaching these guys. It was a long day. And I said to Basil at one point, it's kind of, isn't this a long day for these guys? He said, no, the guys are all right. And anyway, it's safer to wait till it's dark for you to leave. So me feeling like a hero, um, 
I think the third day of the conference, we, we, we had some time where we just kind of did some Q&A with some of the pastors. And there was one of the pastors who told us the story of how the rioters had come to his house and his wife and him and their daughter had fled for their lives into the woods that weren't far from the house. And he said, we just ran. And, and the wife and daughter kind of went off a bit in one direction and he got in the other and they just ran as far as they could into these expansive woods and that was it. And he said, we stayed there for days. But he said, I didn't know where they were and if they were okay. And his wife and daughter didn't know where he was either. And ultimately they decided they'd come out and see if it was safe to emerge. And thankfully they found each other. I talked to another pastor who said that there was a whole mob that had come to his church one night and they came with burning torches and, and they came specifically to set fire to the church. And he said they did. And he said, as we were all running from the church, they began to shoot. And his 15-year-old son was killed that night. And after the church had been burned down, they went to the pastor's house and they destroyed his house. He's telling me the story and he's so gracious a man. You wouldn't know what he'd been through. So gracious a man. And he said, with God's help, we were able to rebuild the church. And then he said, we rebuilt our home. It's a simple house it would have been. He said, we rebuilt our home, but they came again and they burned our house down a second time. And he said, now we've been able to get it all done. We've, we've got a tarp for the roof, but we, we aren't able to put the roof on there yet. And um, he said, we're just praying God will provide. And so I asked him, I said, well, how much are you going to need for the roof for your house? It must have been a small house. He said, $150 US. It's like, dear Lord, that's nothing. And thankfully, because I'm like you are, he left with his $150 to put the roof on the house. Because you'd have done that as well. But I looked at those people and thought, what a price they are paying because they dare to be different. They dare to be different. And their faith did not waver. I just want to remind you all today, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you are going to be different. All right, let me rephrase that. You should be different. Amen. You should be different. And being different is sometimes difficult. Being different is sometimes costly. In John chapter 17 and verse 6, Jesus is praying to his Father, and he's praying for his followers, and he asks the Father to take care of them. And here's what he says. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. They are not of the world. That's how he describes his followers. They're not the same as everybody else. Now, I didn't say better, but I'm saying different, okay? And God's children are not of this world. We don't. This is not where our interest fully lies. Thank God we've got something bigger and something better, which is where our hopes are anchored, and that is in the eternity that Jesus has promised us. Amen. That's where we're fixed. 
We're not of this world, we're in the world, but we're traveling through this world. This isn't all we've got. Our whole ambitions are not here in this life, thank God. Our ambitions are in the life that is to come. They are not of this world. And because we are not of this world, here's what it says in 1 Peter 4, 4. It says, non-believers think it is strange that you do not do the many wild and wasteful things they do, so they insult you. Because we're not of this world, unbelievers won't get the way we are at times. But that's okay. Because when the church conforms to the culture, we lose our identity. I'll say it again because it's pretty good. (laughs) When the church conforms to the culture, we lose our identity. What we are called to do is impact the culture we are living in for Jesus Christ. That's what we're meant to do. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. On Celebration Sundays, preachers get 15 minutes. But Charlotte's not here today. Let me just just say this, though. You you know, as Christians, we do need to stand out for the right reasons. Right? I I was uh, 20-odd years ago now, I met up with a bunch of church planters down in Georgia because... As I was saying earlier, we were quite unique up here. There wasn't anybody around here doing what we were doing. So I went south and I I met up with a whole bunch of church planters. We had several days together just brainstorming, sharing ideas, talking about what works. And then one evening, one of the guys said, uh, hey, do you want to go and watch the Braves? Now, if you ask any New York Mets fan if he wants to go and watch the Braves, the answer is no. Right? But all the guys, all the guys were going. And, and actually, sorry, let me just recap. They had fixed this up ahead of time. That's right. So, so we go to see the Braves game. But only one thing, just one thing, just to make my point. I had packed my Met shirt with me. <laughs> so I proudly walked into Turner Field. Talk about going into the enemy's camp, right? <laughs> So I, 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 I walked proudly into Turner Field with, with, with my Met shirt on. Now, I'm going to tell you this. That was just being obnoxious. <laughs> right? That's not standing out for the right reasons. And as believers, we need to stand out for the right reasons. That people see our compassion. They see our caring. They see our patience. They see our faithfulness. They see all these things. Dare to be different. Second thing I want to say today is this. Don't opt for easy. Don't opt for easy. In the quest to belong, there's a danger we begin to conform. None of us wants to be the outsider in any situation. But the fact is this. When we're amongst people who don't know Jesus, the temptation will be that we begin to conform so that we fit in. Be brave enough that you don't look to be liked, you look to be loyal to the Father in heaven. I'm not looking for 
everybody around me to say, we really like you. I'm living to hear Jesus say, well done. Don't look to be liked. Look to be loyal. 1, 1 John 2, 15 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, when he talks about the world, what does that mean by, by, by the world? There's an, uh, I, I guess one of the advantages of, of being my kind of age or is a lot of the um, study material I use is from a long time ago. I've got a lot of study books that I bought while I was in college, but they were actually written 50 or 100 years before even I was in college, which means they are probably priceless, um, you know, architectural artifacts, really, you know. <laughs> but, but, but there's an old writer by the name of C.H. Dodd, and here's what he says about when the Bible says the world. He says the author means human society insofar as it's organized on wrong principles and characterized by base desires, false values, and egoism. That's what he's talking about. The way, when he says don't love the world, it's the way this world is. It's what this world values, what this world is characterized by. Base desires, false values, egoism. A good question for all of us sometimes is whose applause am I actually living for? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's talking about money there, but the principle is you can't serve two masters. Amen. If I'm living to please God, I'm not going to please everybody else all the time. Amen. Would it be easier if I did? Probably. But in the end of the day, it must be God that we live to please. I, I, I love the way uh, Revelation 12, 11 speaks. It says this about some people. It says, they weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. They weren't in love with themselves. It was Jesus that really mattered. Dare to be different. Don't opt for easy. And then the third thing I want to say is this. Check your bearings. Let, let me just explain that. I, I, was, um, I noticed the other day that in August the inspection's up on my car. And uh, I don't, do any of you still like get a bit nervous when it's inspection time? <laughs> you know, I mean, my car's 10 years old now, but it's in, it's in pretty good shape. So there's no reason really logically to think it would fail inspection. But I think seared into my memory are those thoughts of years ago where I drove clunkers. Some of you identify with that? Right, and when inspection is due, it's like, oh dear God, please. Because I don't have the money to fix it if it needs to be fixed. And I think the trauma of years ago has still left its mark on me. So that's why when I see the inspection date coming due, it's like, oh dear Lord. I still get nervous. But of course, inspection is important. It's important on a regular basis to make sure your vehicle's safe and the vehicle's roadworthy. And that really is fair enough. And it's important for us as believers from time to time to check our bearings. Let me, let me just read to you the way the Apostle Paul put that in 1 Corinthians 13. 
test yourselves to make sure to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. You see, you can be coasting along and unaware of the fact you've drifted a bit away from God. I didn't say you'd lost your salvation, but you could have drifted a bit away from God. And that's why the Bible encourages us that, that what we ought to do is we should test ourselves just to make sure I'm standing firm in the faith because no one ever just turned away from the Lord right like that, but people have been known to drift gradually away. Check your bearings. Check your bearings. Know where you're at. See where you're at. And if this Sunday morning, sitting here today, you, you were saying, you're saying to yourself, or God's Spirit may be saying to you, you're not quite where you once were, you know. Here's what it says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Do something about it. Do something about it. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Subtly, slowly, the world around us can shape us into its mold. The world we live in is chaotically godless. And the fact is we live, and for so many of us we work in environments that are dominated by that godless way of thinking. And if we are not careful, it can slowly begin to shape us. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. There's a classic story in the, in the Old Testament that many of you, most of you are perhaps familiar with. It's, it's the story of Daniel. And Daniel was a, amongst a group of men who were taken away by the king of Babylon into captivity when he invaded Israel and destroyed, uh, destroyed Jerusalem. They took all these guys away. And then, I guess smartly, they pulled out the the youngest and the brightest of people that they had captured, and they decided that they would prepare them and train them so that they could play a significant role in the life of Babylon. And Daniel was one of them. And one of the things that, Daniel, that, that the king did at the start was he said Daniel and some of the young men who were with him he said that they were to be provided with food from the king's own table. They should eat the finest and they should eat the very best. And here's what the Bible says. I'm going to quote it from the King James Version because that's how I remember Bible. It said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. No thanks. No thanks. Won't touch you. I mean, why don't you want steak, Daniel? What's the matter with you? And here's the thing. They lived in a land that was totally full of idolatry. 
They asked heathen gods to bless their food. And Daniel, Daniel's like, I belong to the true God. I'm not having anything to do with that stuff. We'll eat our stuff. The king said, okay, or Daniel said, give us a try for 30 days. If the end of 30 days, we look like we're sickly, then we'll do what you want us to do. The end of 30 days, they were healthier and stronger and in a better place than anybody else was. But there were people who got jealous of Daniel because he was really getting to be noticed and he got some promotions and he came to be a ruler in Babylon and, and they couldn't find any fault with him. So the people who were plotting against him decided there's one thing they'd do. And, and, and they said that they would, what they did was they, they got the king to sign a law that for 30 days, nobody could pray to anybody else except the king. And they thought they'd get Daniel there. So you know what Daniel started to do? Radical, this man. He went to his room. He opened the shutters to the window that faced in the direction of Jerusalem. And he prayed there out loud to God three times a day. Because sometimes you're going to have to dare to be different. And Daniel prayed there. And the outcome of that was they told the king and said to the king, you signed the law, you've got to do it. Your credibility is gone. And you'll know the story. What came out of that was Daniel, as his punishment, was tossed into this whole den of lions. And that was the way he was going to be executed, torn apart by these lions. And most of you will know the outcome of that is it didn't work. Right? They went back in the morning. And here's Daniel, the lion tamer. And what came out of that further? Daniel chapter 6 and 26. Here's what the king said following that. I decree that Daniel's God will be worshipped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never fails. His rule continues eternally. Amen. Right? You know why that happened? Because Daniel did not compromise. He dared to be different. He was a counter-cultural individual, and he dared to stand for his faith. It wasn't the common way to go. It wasn't what everybody else was doing, but he stood for his faith. And when he stood for his faith, the spiritual direction of the whole nation was changed. We will never win our communities by being like everybody else in our community. Never do it. We need to dare to stand for our faith. We need to dare to be different. We need to explain why certain things are not in our, in our belief system, why certain behaviors are behaviors we are not going to condone and we could never become a part of. We don't judge anybody, but we won't identify with everything that's going on in this world. That's where we need to be. And though being different is difficult at times, it's how we make a difference in this godless world. Be willing to stand up and stand out. Was that 15 minutes? <laughs> or let me leave you with this very simple word of encouragement. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. 
if we're followers of Jesus, we're following the biggest radical this world has ever seen. Let's not be afraid to be different for the right reasons. Amen. Amen. Okay. We are...